you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. the NFL podcast wants the Giants to go all the way. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. You guys might not be aware, but we had a close call yesterday. We almost lost one of our own. I was like, wait, did the softball team play? But that's tonight. We'll get to that, too. There's some softball drama that I want to touch on on the show. Oh, no. Uh, Wes, my consigliere, my Don Zimmer, we were conferring this morning uh, (laughs) about some drama with the softball team. We'll get to that. But I I think the most pressing issue is that uh, we almost lost our dear Erica Tamposi last night uh, in a what was described to me by Erica. Not shouldn't use these words exactly, but it was – kind of put out there that it was close to a five alarm fire in her apartment building that nearly scorched her alive. And, but she's here. She's alive. Wow. Let's welcome her it. into the show. <laughs> I Erica. made it. I made it out. Yeah. What happened? Woke up at probably like four, four fifteen in the morning. My window was open. There's the heat wave had the AC going, whatever. And I was like, why is there like a dump truck outside my window <laughs> at four in the morning? And then all of a sudden I smelled smoke. And I was like, oh, my God, that's not a dump truck. That's a fire truck. Great so instincts. I, so, I hop, <laughs> so I hop out of bed, like fly out of bed, and I'm thinking maybe I left on the stove or oven. Like I got home late. Maybe I forgot to do something. And nothing's on, nothing's on fire in my actual apartment. But outside of my – I have this huge window in my kitchen that Double overlooks – Yeah, really <laughs> open window. Yeah. Mm. And it was just gray with smoke, like mm. smoke. And it was coming through, so I was like shutting the windows. I'm running around, and put like, and then I go outside, and there's. Let's put some dramatic music under this, by the way. Did yeah. you have the presence of mind to hit the uh, hot butt drop with the whimpering man in the background? <laughs> yeah, seriously, it was so warm. It was like 
It, it was, the, I've never seen anything like it. Smoke was like bellowing through my wind, closed windows. And I went outside and the firefighters are there and they were spraying, there are two dumpsters. Were they hot? Yeah, there was like 10 hot guys just like spraying. Just a bunch of hugs. Yeah, just like spraying. <laughs> With suspenders but no shirt underneath. Yeah, I had like my retainer in. It was four in the morning. like, and then I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they, I think like, t- like either two homeless guys apparently were awake and saw the fire and ran to the fire station and rang the bell because there is a fire station around there. Right? Not all I talked to them the, capes. I talked to them this morning, and they did say that they ran to the fire station to grab the fire. You talked to the vagrants? Yeah, this morning. They're uh, still hanging around. Wow. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they're, they're people s- too, they're, Dan. They're still there. Um, but they said that the dumpsters were, like, set on fire. By who? Well. They don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, a little suspicious. Up my entire wall. Through Got my, any X's? Yeah. Yeah, a couple. Um, all of the the walls are scorched. My garage door is scorched. Damn. My car has burn marks oh, on dang. it. Oh, um, dang. Th- it, it's a total disaster. Now my entire apartment reeks of smoke. Well, well you're moving, so it's perfect timing. Yeah. When what are you it? moving? This weekend. Wow, yeah. it's almost suspicious. The last act of a vandal. It, yeah, but now the I, timing is a little. They're going to screw de- me. Yeah. yeah, a detective. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you would gain out of this. It's not like you're getting insurance <laughs> well, money for a, an apartment you're renting. But the timing is kind of beautiful yeah, for you. Yeah, but maybe you're they like, did it. See you later. Maybe they did it, so Ooh. I don't get my security deposit back. One question for you, because <laughs> I once had That's cut it enough. off your nose despite you in an apartment in Arizona. I started to cook rice and beans, fell asleep, and like oh an God. hour later, there was massive knocks on my door. I opened the door and it was like beefy firemen because I, my apartment was filled with smoke. The rice and beans mm. had burnt. But my clothing for the next like month smelled like a, like a hideous smoker's nightmare, and you couldn't get rid of it no matter how much you wash yeah, it. Yeah, are, are your clo- is your clothing a disaster at this point? My whole apartment smells like dead trashed fire. Do you smell like it right now? I mean, I showered. Can you come in here a second? Yeah. Okay, I want to smell you. (laughs) Come on in. Wait, you're serious? Yeah, I'm serious. (laughs) I want to see if you smell like fire or a dumpster. And even if it had nothing to do with the fire, fire, you're covered. Smell like a woman. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're fine. You're okay. You're fine. So that's good. So it didn't catch everything. Yeah, no, my, my place is fine. But if those homeless guys that potentially set it off didn't go get the firefighters, then my entire room and everything, would like my house, it was under my, my mm. garage, essentially, and my house would have just blown the hell up. And to tie this whole thing together, one of those homeless men was the guy that lived on Greg's front step for a space. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's revenge. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. Good story. I'm glad you're okay, Erica. That is scary. Fire. Fire bad. A wise man once. Well, he wasn't wise. Well, it's also he good. He's a monster. Yeah. It's also he's like one of the greatest monster. inventions in human history. What? In the trouble with monster? Fire. Oh, fire. Be in trouble without fire. Invention? Somebody had to invent it. Just like somebody cracked open the first oyster and said, let me eat that. That's true. That is a brave person who ever did that. All right. <laughs> so Ricky's alive. She smells fine. I don't know about the rest of her wardrobe. Um, Wednesday show. Mark, you wrote a banger. How about that? Some of your favorite games ever. Wow, did that take work? Did that take some actual effort? Well, a look behind the curtain. It was meant to be 10 games, and I got five in, and it was like 2,000 words long, so I just made it 
five games. <laughs> I love. Oh that. yeah, no, that's 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 <laughs> absolutely the strategy of of my writing at this point. It's like we uh, there's an off season. Co- it's like oh, wait, I'm already at thirteen hundred words. It's like but oh that, that eight takeaways is yeah. now five. five. Like no one knows the difference. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> But I, I vouch for the five that I included. Good. We're going to so. talk about that. And speaking of takeaways, um, they announced the Hard Knocks team, the Oakland Raiders. I wrote a piece for .com. We'll get to that as well, talking about the Raiders on Hard Knocks. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, take a spin through the news. Clip ball back in. Morgan! The holders are off and running at France 2019. Towards goal and turned in from close range. Easy as you like. Morgan again. Is it going to be 13? It is. Sympathy from the USA players, but an emphatic victory for the USA. Um, Okay, so the United States women's soccer team, who are the defending World Cup champions, uh, defeated Thailand yesterday 13 to nil. Uh, And first of all, there was some um, pearl clutching about running up the score. And I'm curious what your guys' thoughts on that. But more, I don't want to sound too like, uh, what is it, jingoistic? But is this yet more evidence that, and I know the overseas listeners are going to come after me at this, after this, the women are so great, we are so tremendous, that we are dropping 13 bombs on these teams. If we just canceled the NFL and the NBA and baseball and just funneled all of our might into our soccer program, we could be doing this damage on the men's side, right? We'd be winning World Cups, right? Yeah or nay? I think nay. I think also nay. You Why? know, it's more about like maybe twenty years from now. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd, it certainly would help, but it's it's also like an infrastructure and a tradition and a, a culture, which is hard to just kind of like snap your fingers and create. It's one of the reasons well, I'm why... I'm not saying in four years. Right. No, yeah, but in but... 20 years, if you have children today, we're all funneled into one sport and that was the only sport they were playing. Yes. It's one of the reasons why our women are so good is because we do have a culture of women's sports, which is superior to uh, much of the world and, and even interest. I mean, people, I think, outside the country have a hard time realizing, like, how popular the women's national team is. It's got more Twitter followers than the men's team. Also, we like winners. It's a function of timeline. At the beginning, towards the beginning decades of most sports, games are less competitive and there are more blowouts. But as the sport evolves and women's soccer came after men's soccer, it gets more and more competitive. So I think it's more that women's soccer is still relative in its infancy compared to men's soccer. I like your idea. Right, but at no point were we ever dominant in men's soccer. No, we weren't, but other 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 men's teams were, say, in the 1930s. Right. But your plan is your. It's a long range plan, and it's really one it's of not my plan. Well, I, no, but I like it. But it's vengeance. It's we're, we're not going to sit in this situation where the men's team, which didn't even make it last time, spend the next two or three decades and start to dominate. It seems counterproductive, though, to hurt our uh, basketball and and football. I think let's just. Let's Why don't you just root for the women? Yeah. For now, Dan. I am. <laughs> I am. Of course yeah, I am. Who cares about the men? But you know what? I, I do care about the men. It's a, an incredible sport, uh, especially the World Cup. And it, it's fun and it's cute. Like, maybe the men will make it through to the next round. No, at some point I'd like to see the U.S. <laughs> soccer men's team make a real run in the World Cup. I feel like that would set the country on fire. As things stand, though, I feel like we're kind of hmm. we're well, limited we in our developmental capabilities because we have so much talent going to other Last sports. time was embarrassing for the men. We'll right, but we but, but let the the women can set the thing on fire. Win it again. Just set Erica's dumpster on fire instead. 
which is fine. Don't try to turn this into Dan. You don't care about women. I'm happy about the women. No, I think I think there's a point to be made there that the that the country as a whole does not get is not is gonna get behind a men's team more than the women's team. It's unfortunate, but that's true. Like I don't even think imagine that's what if Dan was saying <laughs> right. No, but I mean, imagine if Serena Williams was a man. Like how how big of an icon she would be uh, relatively and how much like people would watch it more. I think about that all the time because I love women's tennis like that. Like if if she was if she was a man, like people would be so much more into tennis. It's sexist. And it's also it is not sexist, though, to say that the men's World Cup is a much bigger deal than the women's World Cup. That's all. I'm not saying uh, we could not without being sexist. Right. Not in not the interest level in this country is is pretty similar, I would say, but pretty much everywhere, uh, most everywhere else. Well, if the men were good here, I don't think it would be the same. When the men were playing at, at the garage, the one we went to, you, right. they were breaking fire codes. I don't know if right. that's happening at the garage right now. Just to be honest, the the power right. up the street. I just I, I guess when you mean, say like it's ratings just as popular, and, and interest level, yeah, that's the battle they're fighting. Um, all right, let's get into it. Let's get into some news. Uh, Cameron Jordan and the Saints do business. Uh, a new three-year deal for Jordan. Um, the second time he's been extended. Uh, and uh, by the Saints. He's now signed through 2023. He's 30, 30 years old, uh, and this is a guy who has been one of the key members of this defense uh, for years now. And, Greg, uh, we talked about this. Uh, there's been a couple different cases this offseason of uh, maybe a new trend in the NFL of teams not necessarily needing to take care of their best guys. Ooh. Jordan, in this case, had two years left on his previous extension. But the team going to the player and saying, let's make a deal. Let's keep this happy marriage happy. And that's how I, I read this situation. Uh, it, it's a great marriage, a productive marriage. So why not do everything in your power to keep it that way? Absolutely. A rare guy that has really gotten better. He was good to begin with. A very good NFL player to start. And he's gotten better basically every year of his career. I mean, he the last two years have been his best two years, and he continually gets better. They're a team that's in a little bit of cap, has some cap issues. Uh, I was talking to someone that there's, in 2020, there's a lot of cap rules because the end of the CBA is happening, and n- the way that you can push money into the future is not nearly as easy in 2020 as it would be basically every other year because you don't want to be pushing it into this nebulous uh, non-CBA area. So I don't know if that's part of it too, that they're saving some cap money in, in the short term by giving a guy who deserves it some money. They have a stacked defensive line. I mean, we spent most of this podcast up until the last couple of years talking about the Saints being a lopsided offensive-based team. But when you sign one of your defensive core guys, now you're probably projecting him to play into a post-Drew Brees era, not to go down that whole wormhole, but you may become more of a defensive team at some point, and you've got to keep these guys around. But also, I, for me, I look at Cam Jordan. You lost Mark Ingram, who I think was the ultra leader in that locker room, one of the dudes, and Cam Jordan's right up there. The only thing that he's delaying is the minute he leaves the NFL, I think his media career completely takes off. And the minute, mm. he, he, that is already beginning, and so it's just when we he have wants to, to we shift should... right into that career. He might be here, I feel like. Could be. Like a future seems like one Seems like one of those hires. The last two years, if you remove Aaron Donald from the conversation, this guy's right there for Defensive Player of the Year. He's in the mix. I wonder, by the way, Cameron Jordan, he's entering, I believe, is either ninth or tenth season. He signed through 2023. If he actually played through that contract, it would be 13 years with the Saints. His dad, Steve Jordan, played 13, year with the, 13 years with the Vikings. Uh, has that ever happened before? Has ever a father and son had 
careers of that length with just one team. The 13-13 Math- oh, with year? the same team. Well, the Matthews is certainly uh, had longevity, but Clay Matthews' run in Green Bay is now over. That was close, but I don't know. I did notice that they're using the Jordan family in some advertisements for the upcoming Shaft movie. Hmm. Something to do with like dads, like Father's Day dads, and it's like the Jordans and Shaft and his dad. I don't know what it all means. That movie also looks like a minor disaster to me, but mm. separate, a separate topic. Uh, moving <laughs> on, uh, other money matters. So the, the Saints pay their <laughs> stud on D. The Jaguars aren't going to do that with theirs. Jalen Ramsey um, has been made aware that the Jaguars do not plan uh, to give him an extension this year. The Jaguars corner said Tuesday during minicamp he's been told he's not getting that extension. He believes that he's outperformed that rookie deal. He's probably right, uh, but the Jags are waiting it out. Here's what Ramsey told the Florida Times Union. I'm not down about it or anything like that. I'm blessed. And he's made a ton of money. Um, he's going to make – they exercise their fifth-year option uh, on the former number five pick. He'll, be ma- he'll make almost $14 million next year. Uh, he's getting paid pe- relative peanuts for his ability this year at 3.6. He has the talent to be the best cornerback in the NFL. And I think if you're the Jaguars, you say, our locker room was a disaster in 2018. Let's see if this guy becomes a leader, the leader that mm. we need on defense before we lock him up. I mean, there's no reason, there's no hurry here. He tweeted uh, a Deion Sanders quote yesterday. I'm asked for so much money, they have to put me on layaway. <laughs> Those fifth-year options, by the way, kind of bang the first-round picks uh, just a tiny bit. Like if 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 you could choose whether Isn't that you, the purpose of them, yeah, basically. Like if you if you could choose whether to be like the thirty-fourth pick in the draft or the thirty-first, and you turn into a star like Michael Thomas, for instance, you would rather be the thirty-fourth pick because you get the free agency quicker. I don't recall growing up a bunch of players where they would re-up like two or three years into their rookie deal. That was not a phenomenon back then. Mm. Today, it certainly is because you want to get them earlier than later. The Patriots famously did it with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski like the the first day possible that they could. Worked one, out one well of those with one of them. Was one of the was the worst contract in NFL history. Uh, it's time to talk about the Giants quarterback situation. Uh there has been an assumption made by some that Eli Manning will be the starting quarterback of the Giants. That's uh, not an assumption. That's what the Giants week told one, us. Uh, week one this year, week one next year, week one the year after that. Uh, however, there is the reality that the Giants used the sixth overall pick on Daniel Jones and the head coach, Pat Shermer, told Tom Rock of Newsday uh, that, you know, the team, I didn't tell him this, but leaving the door open for an actual camp battle this summer. Here's what Shermer had to say. He's on track with the goal to be ready to play on day one, Shermer said of Jones. The QB stuff will be on the front burner for everybody. I get that, but he's on track. Shermer then added, we're going to play the very best player. I know we're dancing around the w- words here, but right now Eli is getting ready to have a great year and Daniel is getting ready to play. We'll just see. Uh, what happens. We feel good where Eli is. He's our starting starting quarterback, and he's got a young player that we think is going to be an outstanding player getting himself ready to play. It all sounds like to me that it's just a matter of time, maybe not week one, but the hand-wringing, unnecessary. Well, the more This is a different message from the Giants. This is a def- this uh, way all do- the time. No, it no, no, this is not time. what their GM said. not just said. the Giants. No, this is the Giants. This is what the Giants said. Eli's our quarterback. And now Shermer is allowed to talk instead of Gettleman. 
And Shermer, I mean, this is a great idea, I think, for professional sports teams to put their best team on. Well, I also think Daniel Jones, you know, we don't put much into OTAs and minicamps. But if I'm a Giants fan, I'd prefer the uh, drips and drabs coming out of Giants camp about how good Daniel Jones has looked versus the opposite, which often happens with rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, Pete Pete Traeger was on Good Morning Football talking about, you know, Jones's athleticism saying he's becoming a Paul Bunyan-esque figure. Like people talking about, you know, a guy that's in the NBA draft who, who was at Duke uh, talking about how Daniel Jones was like an AAU legend dunking over 6'10 guys that he's hitting home runs at softball uh, games. And he's kind of impressing everyone at the Giants camp just that he's a badass athlete. Which, I'd also yeah, say this not? is Pat Shermer's last chance to be a head coach. If this doesn't go well, it's not going to happen again. And he would have a different message and desire to move on to the young guy and be tied to the young guy that everyone's not going to expect the world from in year one versus a sinking ship with Eli Manning that he's going to be blamed for all season long. I just think it's a good idea when the front office stays out of it and lets the coach play his best players. It's not a bad idea. It's always the writing was on the wall this day they made that pick. And any you could parse words or, or look at what the GM is saying about the quarterback and the veteran and what what the coach is saying about the rookie, but it's all it's just a it's a countdown right now for a new era in Giants football. But there are situations where a GM says, "Hey, this is what we're doing. We're playing this guy," and then the coach is not even allowed to open the competition. That was my issue with it. You don't see the Cardinals saying, "Yeah, we're going to start someone else." They're going to start the guy they drafted. It's also, there is the matter of, and I know he's not respected very much in this room, but Eli Manning is a legend of that franchise. They should have been cut two years ago, but that's... But see, you look at black and white with Eli, but that organization has some fuzzy feelings for him. So it just makes it a a bit of a trickier transition. I think the Giants have had a terrible offseason. I'm on on the same page with you guys, but I don't don't think this is such a black and white issue. Um, I get what you're saying, though, Wes. Ultimately, we're on... We're on the yeah. same page, ultimately. Put your best team on the it's field. A, it's a big, wide page, and you're both on it, but yes. you're not next to each it's other. It's one of on those, remember the old printers? It's the, one of the, like, it's like yeah. <laughs> little dot matrix action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're on the same roll somewhere. Uh, moving on, more extension news. Written This piece written by Lakeisha Wesseling. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm. By the way, your wife looking banging in this headshot. Is oh, that yeah? appropriate? Can I say that? Sure. I think Man, you true. can. I don't think anyone could, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> she looks great. And, you know, in our internal uh, NFL media uh, inbox, Lakeisha, who works on the editorial desk when she sends out various uh, things during the day now, I keep on seeing, like, a Wesseling posting some new uh, Damashek podcast. I'm like, what is Chris doing? It's like, oh, oh, Wes is finally writing again. (laughs) She should teach a class in like headshot photos and we should be her students because she really did a lot with what that little. It's just a small little area you got there. Filling up that box. I wouldn't limit it to headshots. I think we could (laughs) see students in several areas. Ours could use some work, no doubt. Uh, Anyway, uh, Lakeisha wrote this piece for dot com. Vikings and Kyle Rudolph agree to a terms on a four year deal. Uh, $36 million extension. Tom Pelissero, our own Tom Pelissero, had this. Um, Rudolph uh, confirmed weeks ago that the team had offered him a five-year extension. Both sides are working to get it done. Uh, it keeps him in Minnesota. They have the uh, young kid, Irv Smith, great name, who was drafted in the second round uh, in April. So that's the kid of the future. But uh, Rudolph, who's had injury issues, but uh, Wes, this is a guy that has put up the numbers before. And you could see a healthy Kyle Rudolph, even a little bit older, 
getting on the same page with Kirk Cousins and making some magic, right? Hasn't missed a game in the last four years, and I think he's one of the few tight ends in the NFL who is just as adept at blocking as he is at catching. So he's not going to blow any fantasy football guys out of the water with his production, but I think the Vikings value him because he can do both things well. The other guy, they have David Morgan and Tyler Conkin. Outside of your guy, Irv Smith, those guys were on the field for less than 80 passing snaps last year. Rudolph dominated that part of their offense. So why would you – there was rumors they're going to move on from him and all this. Not this year. Irv Smith sounds like a respected uh, record label executive at Capitol Records. Oh, Um, yeah. Like a guy that's making some deals, has worked with the Eagles, and he's still in the mix. Or, not, or not the not the team, the the rock band of the '70s. Or like okay. a creative, like a high school creative writing teacher whose dreams were never totally realized. Right. And so he takes out those frustrations on some of his students, just like in passive aggressive ways. What in the when they read their story, he just you know. Yeah, like he's harder on the on the ones that are like like more talented. Just be like, it's not easy out there, you know. Like you got to really like it, even if you like bleed for it, you're not gonna make. So what if you appeared in the Iowa Journal Review? <laughs> hey, hey, Mr. Smith. Hey, call me Irv. It's one of those guys. Yeah. That's the teacher, not the yeah. player? I think this makes Kyle Rudolph one of the That's wealthiest the people ever to come out of Elder High School in Cincinnati. Oh, wow. My, my That's high a school. nice thing to yeah. be. Yeah. You always want a distinction like that. Yeah. Let's move on to some uh, camp injury news. Andrew Luck, confirmed by Colts coach Frank Reich. He'll sit out minicamp. He has a calf strain. It's been It's lingered. And uh, wisely, the Colts, they're not going to push, push that issue. We just came off um, – you know, a year and a half prior to last season of Andrew Luck injury updates and uh, that team taking every uh, precaution to make sure Luck was ready for training camp and they're doing the same thing here under much, you know, lower, lesser stakes. But wise, we don't need Luck out there right now. And Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, in other quarterback news, uh, he has the knee. He blew out his ACL uh, last, what was it, November, October? September. It was September. Uh, he has been limited to individual drills in minicamp. Uh, he is on. He is on track for training camp, uh, but it is not. He's not fully cleared and all ready to go. But wouldn't be too concerned about that. He is running two minute drills in their practice. So. It is a reminder, though. He's coming off a torn ACL. You're kind of just like, oh, they got Jimmy G back, and that's fine. And uh, he, it's a guy who's barely started in the NFL. Who's coming off a major reconstructive injury. I last week I wrote that. Um, winding uh, double banger piece, uh, guessing team MVPs. I went with Garoppolo for the Niners, but it, it, it's this is a big year for him because if another season, you know, God forbid for Jimmy G, got swallowed up by injuries, uh, and we're now approaching age 30 with not a lot of um, track record, or if he, he struggles, I wonder. Well, I don't want to say I don't. I don't wonder about his job security, but this is an important year for. It's kind of time for the Jimmy G show to be put together in full. His cap number is over twenty six million for the until the year twenty twenty. He's paid like a, a star so. quarterback. They need it. Uh, meanwhile, on the throne of sleaze, Bill Belichick. Last time we heard from Bill, he was canceling. Um, the last week of practice, which apparently you could do when you have eight rings or whatever. Worked last year. Uh, yeah, it worked last year. This year, you know, maybe more concern. Maybe they should have taken the practices, and we'll find out come the regular season. I think that's that him telling the NFL, your little non-contact rules that you've made have made these off-season OTAs useless. 
Well, you know what else is, um, you know, maybe that's problematic that they took away the tackling. But you know what else is pro- problematic? Shooting one of your players in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's not a positive typical. Is it? Is uh, it? Bill Belichick uh, shot Kyle. <laughs> I mean, okay. Kyle Van Noy uh, in the face, in the face with a paintball gun. So not a real gun. Uh, but he hit Van Noy. Here's what Van Noy said. I got hit. I'm telling you, this paintball hit me in the mask, and the mask hit my tooth, and my blank still hurts. So more evidence that Bill Belichick now, and he's getting older. you got to keep that in mind. Maybe some scrambled eggs up there, uh, canceling practices, shooting his own players. <laughs> it just may be time. Well, or it's or, or it's, it's um, p- making Bill kind of one of the guys on a human level because the only reason we know was Bill Bel- Van Noy wasn't giving this up. He was embarrassed by it, but Dante Hightower come came and kind of like interrupted the interview and started telling him to tell everyone who uh, who got him. That's uh, and it was Bill. It's Mr. February to you, Dante Hightower. That's I mean Kyle Van Noy, you might as well call Mr. February after that, after nope. that Super Bowl performance. That the was new, his finest hour. The new nice Belichick is spending an off off season on these tours, mm. giving speeches, and he claims that uh, Hightower should be referred to as Mr. February Ooh, now. I like that. And Van Noy's he's good at the, the shoot 'em up games. He is playing in a Fortnite pro am this weekend. So if Bill can take him out in that, who knows? I, my goal in my house is to simply keep my two children. <laughs> Away from Fortnite. The minute they, that is, we're already in too many wormholes. I, you know, you do the thing with your phone where you're clearing out videos to make room. And I found yesterday the video for all you, Mr. Belichick, so nice. The, the seconds after they knocked out the Rams in the Super Bowl, everyone's hugging each other. And a photographer just doing his job trying to get a nice portrait of Bill and oh, yeah, this hugging on one of radar. his people. And right away, Bill just shoves the coach he's hugging out of the way and slams the photographer with it with an open fist or with an open palm right in the face. And just now you could file a complaint, I would assume. That's not what you'd want to happen. But nothing is heard. How close are these photographers allowed to get to? Well, I, I hear that side of it, but it was like in the biggest moment of, you know, another crowning achievement for Belichick. I think you Belichick. know where that guy is, he, by the way. The reason there was no criminal oh, he's complaint gone. filed, he is under the mask he's bike gone. with the ball boys. Yep. He's there with he's with the two of them. He got a paintball in the face. In the face. Uh, Ten feet under. Alright, let's check in with some kickers. Chris Blewett, who got you know, a guy never had a chance. Let's face it, bad name. It's family name. I don't want to s on the Blewett family, but if you're going to be a place kicker in the NFL, it's one of those things where you just got to change it. Got to Ellis Island that thing, you know, and it's got to got to happen soon because he's not getting younger. Uh, the Bears announced Wednesday they waived Chris Blewett, one of the three kickers in minicamp competing for the job, and it comes on what was another disastrous day in Chicago for their kickers. So Blewett. Eddie Pinheiro and Elliot Fry all missed kicks from 42 yards, back to back to back. Uh, Matt Nagy, who's got to be ready to lose it, after practice told uh, reporters, whatever went through your mind went through my mind. <laughs> and again, 
you know, we're, and so I'm sorry, Chris Blewett. Uh, good luck to you. I hope you catch on somewhere else. But again, doesn't it feel like the Bears are going out of their way to promote the dysfunction at this position that essentially cost them their season with a double doink? Yeah, he had all, they had all these like legends watching it or all whatever. these alumni and it was, first alumni of all, it was a blocked kick. This is reminding me so much of when the Jets drafted Mike Nugent because they thought they were just a kicker away. Uh, and, and the only thing that stepped in their way in Herm Edwards' first season was that uh, from advancing in the playoffs was Doug Bryan missing kicks. Third season. Hey, the kicks are not going to be make or break your season here. It's like you can't just get back to that game well, that's and start everything true. over. But I know what you're saying. I'm, saying. I'm saying it's not for the Bears. Dan, you raise an interesting point. If you are a, let's say, high-end high school kicking prodigy, at what point in your career do you think about changing your name if it's blew it? Like at some point in college, after college? You could just do the thing where you like go by your middle name. Tom Cruise's middle name is Cruise. You know, just it happens all the he's time. He's still got a last name. So just like officially go by it, or, you know, or you just tell the team. To, you know, I mean, if, his, if you he probably changed, don't even need to officially change it, just be like, hey, list it this way. If he had changed his name, you know, half a year ago to, to Chris Chicago, you know, he's still on that roster because people are loving him and buying jerseys of him. There's no way they get you have to move things like la- someone with the last name blew it off the roster as soon as possible. I just wonder why the Nagy and the entire Bears staff is leaning into this storyline and making it so public last week. We actually didn't get to it last Last week, but they made it be known that their their move last week. I don't know. Maybe it's a show that they're smart and they're trying different things, but it's not quite getting over uh, that they were employing what they called Augusta silence uh, when the kicker. So everyone on the field and on the sideline, the coaches, uh, everyone in the vicinity of the kickers, nobody was allowed to say a word. Uh, hey, hey, how about Augusta how about silence. Mitchell Trubisky? Don't throw the ball to the other team and throw a little more accurately in your what playoff game. What does that have to do? Because well, that was a huge well, I mentioned reason why that they brought I mean, the team down I mentioned the field that, for the winning field goal. It was, it was a I mentioned game, that though. after that game, game and was harassed for right. suggesting. I'm this saying much. he had a poor game. He had a good game. second half. He had a poor game. And all right, and I'm he a, put his team in position to win. This happens all the time. Or don't give up points at the end. You know, it's just like that was a great. Everyone was like in their right place. Greg getting upset about something. West firing back at Greg. Hard and then Mark looking for a reckoning about something he was wronged over. Well, I was. All at the same time it was happening. I was just watching the world burn. Um, all and right. separating himself as, as ratings tumble. <laughs> anyway, so we'll see what happens. Now it's down to Pinheiro and Elliot Fry. And by the way, Elliot Fry, I don't know. He gone. Come up small. Elliot Small Fry. I don't know. How, how about just some strong names? <laughs> well, don't you know what, what every Bears fan wants? And I don't think Eddie? Eddie is going to save the season? I don't think the door is closed. And you know what every Bears fan wants. I know, you know Robert Mays, uh, who's a you know well-known Bears fan who does the Ringer podcast, uh, he wants Robbie Gold. So Robbie Gold's holding does. out in San Francisco. You bring the gold back home. It makes a lot of sense. We we talked about this too, Greg. Remember, yeah. Robbie Gold is building a home in Chicago. He sold yep. his home in Chicago, it's... building a new one, and uh, he's ready to go there. And he will sign there in free agency uh, next year. Mark my words. But for the time being, you know what the Niners are saying? Hey, we want one of the top five, ten kickers in the league on our team. Even right? If he hates it here. He's going to put it through the uprights for his own well-being. What are you, what are you supposed to do if you're the 49ers? Just give him to the Bears Right, he wants to go there? You're signing small fry five days from now. Uh, <laughs> you got yeah, small you got fry. Blue it and fry on your team. You got Cousin Eddie, you got small fry, and you got <laughs> blew it. You know, what happened to Gary Cooper, as Tony Soprano once said? Um, <laughs> the pride of the Yankees guy? Yeah, the men. What happened to the men? Oh, where have all the Cowboys gone? Sometimes I ask that question in the city, by the way. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? <laughs> 
Um, it's a fair question in this city. All right. Finally, in the news, yes, the announcement finally came down. HBO uh, and NFL Films have made it official. The Oakland Raiders will be the team featured on the newest season of Hard Knocks. It is the 14th season, believe it or not. And the timing was interesting. On the same day that the Raiders were announced as the Hard Knocks team, in Florham Park, New Jersey, Joe Douglas was introduced as the new general manager of the New York Jets. And um, if you remember the first season of Hard Knocks, uh, the Turk, which has always been, you know, one of the most famous characters on every Hard Knocks season. He's the guy that goes, get the gets the player, says, we're going to need your playbook or your iPad now, and you got to go see coach or cut. Uh, Joe Douglas, a young, svelte Joe Douglas, was the Turk for the 2001 Ravens. Mm. So you want to talk about working your way mm. uh, up the ladder over a, a long period of time. Uh, but on the same day that happens, yes, the Raiders are the team. Um, I wrote... Uh, on the dot-com, six takeaways. Probably was aiming for 10, and then I got to six, and I was like, oh, that's about 850 words. I feel you. A lot more than that, no. Uh, I think, uh, ultimately, uh, this is a good pick. Uh, we, we've talked about this on the show. There were, there were five options that were eligible, meaning they didn't need, to, uh, they didn't need consent from the teams to be selected. Uh, you had the Raiders, the Redskins, the Lions, the Niners, and the Giants. Uh, and the Raiders, they just have a lot of good subplots. I think chief among them is John Gruden, year two. Uh, he was born for this. They were The cameras of Hard Knocks and Gruden, I feel like, were made for each other. And you have this world with Gruden. Uh, Mike Mayock is in the building. And one thing I wrote about in the piece, we'll start here, uh, is that last year, the most exciting um, or scandalous part of the very good Cleveland Brown season was the apparent uh, power struggle within uh, the coaching staff uh, who was running the show and Hugh Jackson saying, I drive the bus, and Todd Haley obviously being um, dismissive of Jackson, who had gone 1-31 over the previous two years. It all plays out uh, a couple months later. They both get fired. That will not be the case here. This is John Gruden's show. Nobody thinks otherwise. So I'll be interested to see how a Gruden uh, camp looks, especially after what we saw in Cleveland last year. All right. I'm just annoyed by John Gruden acting like this is the worst thing in the world and how how annoyed he is seemingly by it. It's just a little too much like protesting from a guy who loves attention. Let's, let's calm down. Let's calm down on like, ooh, I don't want to disrupt. I don't want this attention on me. P- please. Who is telling everyone that you're in 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 the morning at 3.30 a.m. in every article you've ever... It's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I love Gruden and I love Mike Mayock. And I know Mike Mayock has kind of made it sound like he doesn't want to be on it either. It's like, I don't know. It, it, these guys have gotten where they are partly by promoting themselves because they're good at what they do and they're interesting characters. They're so, charismatic. So a lot keep, of the coaches. Let's keep it going. Not all of them, but a lot of the co- coaches and GMs, to Greg's point, are charismatic guys that like the camera, that like to be heard, they like to be seen. And what, what show is better than at promoting your personal brand uh, than Hard Knocks? And then your old uh, job, PFT, they wrote, they were belly aching. Like, they wrote a piece saying, 
oh, there shouldn't be any hard knocks anymore because it's outlived its usefulness in the age of social media. What? And I, I, I saw what the angle was that now we're see, we get to see things from inside these camps via Instagram and Twitter that you wouldn't have seen before. Bad take. Uh, but at the same time, like just because the teams don't want to do it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. It is actually a fan service because it gives you an incredible look behind the scenes year after year of these teams. And I learned a lot about the Browns last year. Yeah, I totally disagree with that take because we never would have known some of the fissures and some of the issues inside of the Cleveland organization by Instagram photos on the field at training camp. We wouldn't have known any of that. And I, I, for me, I think I would, I would buy that Mike Mayock is not totally into this in the sense that no, I get it. Here's I, the issue though. But when you're, when you're delivering, you know, a three minute spiel about a player that you watch tape on, Start, say your thing, close. Now it's it's hundreds of hours of footage edited in a way that you have no say over. That's Wait, where but they do have say. That was what I was going to say. Is well, they, they get a lot of say, and they can approve and take out anything they want. And I think Hugh Jackson and the Browns probably regret some of the things that they left in last year. I would that imagine. was that was kind of the worst case scenario, I think, of what teams are afraid of when it comes to hard knock. But Mike Mayock got his job, as Rich Eisen pointed out uh, in a thread on Twitter last night. Uh, in the NFL by going to his his uh, local Philly legend, Steve Sable, and asking him, how do I get into this business? And that's what this this Hard Knocks show is all about. It's NFL films. It ultimately shows teams in a very popular Wes, are light. you prepared to see Vontae's perfect in a different light, which, which I think is going to happen? And Richie Incognito. I don't really want to yuck anybody's yum here. The Hard Knocks what? is not my favorite show. <laughs> um, and the Browns were a mystery. After watching John Gruden and Mike Mayock on TV for a decade, I don't really need to see any more of them. But you saw them as analysts. That now they're being team builders. I know That's who, my, totally I know who Mike, Mike, May, Mike Mayock and John Gruden are. I mean, I just don't need to – they don't contain any mystery for me whatsoever. I don't find this team to be compelling – but that's all I need but what to say. About the like, fact- you guys should watch it. Everybody should have fun watching it. Fair enough. But what about the fact <laughs> that Gruden is <laughs> yes, really just- is back up against the wall coming off last season? This I is don't a little find bit him compelling different- in any way, I, shape, or form. I would absolutely enjoy any one of the 32 teams. I would find it interesting because of because to me, just seeing behind the scenes of any team is interesting. And the way they make it is good TV. Um, a couple other subplots that they'll be sure to be drilling down on. I am... Uh, I see your point, Wes, but one thing I do want to see with Gruden, even if you kind of know what his vibe is by this point, the Chucky, the intensity, uh, the shit and grin and all that stuff. um, I want to see interactions between um, Derek Carr and Gruden, who had – it was interesting watching – that a relationship from afar last year, there were some heated sideline exchanges. And then we went through a draft process where there seemed to be some flirtation with the idea of replacing Carr and Derek Carl that we love him. And he's probably going to be the MVP this year uh, in the NFL complimenting Derek. Carr. There we go. Um, He's a sensitive guy. He's a guy that, you know, watches things and tracks things. I wonder a chronic uh, QB needler, uh, like Gruden, how that plays out with the cameras on. You got Antonio Brown in the building, incognito, uh, and the team's moving to Vegas. I hope, Greg, they're not going to give us too many of those. All right, front office, Mark Davis and company, road trip to Vegas. Let's check out the status of the building. But part of it is a PR, and they're going to mm. want that to I mean, be too many. More than one would be too much. Yeah, so. although I, I will uh, – hope that Mark Davis is in the show as much as possible. If you just wanted that's to make true. it inside. Now that's the, what would just, make me watch. If it was just like, 
Hard Knocks, Mark Davis. They just follow him <laughs> around for an hour every week and cut that show. Oh, I'd watch. I Sign me up. I couldn't really write about that on the website, but <laughs> what you're saying, everybody knows exactly what you're saying, and I, I back that 100%. Give us a lot of Mark Davis. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Before we get to Mark's favorite games, um, Wes, we have some some softball drama. The Shield, we're in a good spot. We're 6-2. and two. Play ball! Uh, we are second place, second place. The top three teams make the playoffs. Uh, we have, I believe, four games left. So uh, we have a big game against Barney's Beanery, uh, another um, <laughs> six and two team. And if we win this game tonight, uh, we are in the driver's seat to go back to the playoffs. And we know what happens when the shield goes to the playoffs. We win. We win. Uh, there is more drama, though. And uh, and. and you know what? It's it's just the truth of the matter. The, any drama we dealt with, Wes, over the three years, it's happened. It's a co-ed league. It, it happens with the ladies. It's always something <laughs> popping up with the ladies. And, and this year, and Erica, had on the, she's on the team. She had nothing to do with it. It wasn't her fault. But she was indirectly right in the middle of one of the great controversies uh, in the history of the Shield. Yes, uh, Last week, uh, Erica starting. Were you aware of any of this, Ricky? No. Okay. Ricky, uh, I put her in the lineup. Uh, she was starting in right center field uh, and uh, batting uh, ninth. And I and I had a backup player. I uh, won't say the name. Uh, but I, she came up to me right before the game started, and she said, oh, who am I up after? And I said, oh, actually, Erica's going to start. She's going to get a couple of bats and play out there, and then you're going to go in. We took the field to start the game, came back to the dugout after the top of the first, and she's gone. Is week. that what happened? She That's left. why she left? She took her ball and went home. Took uh, her dog and went home. <laughs> and, uh, and then mm. uh, I waited to hear back from her uh, over a course of days. Just it's almost a shot at Ricky there. You know, it's like if I'm bench for Ricky, I'm taking off. That's a shot. But, well, you know, I think Ricky's a developing talent in the outfield. I wanted the reason she was starting is I wanted to get her innings. And I was hoping that that would be understood. But. Uh, I never heard back from this individual. I sent an email checking in to see if everything was okay. Didn't get a response. So I had to put out a new starting lineup for tonight's game. And that individual, uh, apparently so angry about Erica starting, is not in the lineup and presumably off the team now. Incommunicado? Yeah. I'm Did not- you text? Wait, I- what? Because some people just don't check emails or it, they, get, yeah. they get buried a little bit. I am guilty of that. Uh, I don't have I don't have this individual's number, but – yeah. Uh, it was a private email sent on the NFL server, and uh, I expected to hear back from this person in some regard. So there's no mark uh, as you're a front office uh, worker of some kind for us, pro bono. Um, I don't need – I'm not looking for any any official move right. uh, or announcement. It's just kind of like a weird – it's one of those weird NFL things that pop up where it's just a lingering issue. And we have this lingering drama, and I don't know quite mm. as the skipper had to resolve it at this point, so I'm just going to let it just. I think one fix. Sit. One fix for next year from a front office angle, and I put this, uh, you know, next year. very, very, very <laughs> minorly on myself. A team phone tree so that you can text um, versus just not having the number of a key player. But you know, what, Bill Parcells back in the day trying to get the Giants to the Super Bowl had his star player Lawrence Taylor dealing with all sorts of off the field issues, uh, major drug issues, and that was a big hiccup in his uh, coaching career. But he handled it. This is your issue to deal with, and I think this is equally as large of a scenario to well, to overcome. The difference, though, is LT is not bad in ninth in splitting innings. Mm. You know, you might. 
different players have different rules. You know, Tom Brady, he's a starting quarterback. He has different OTA rules than I think if they had a 25-year-old starting quarterback. So, you know, you treat each player as an individual. This is more like the center that vanished to Mexico Barrett Robbins. the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Barrett, Barrett Robbins scenario. There's a Barrett here. Robbins vibe yeah. to this whole thing. It's a little bit of a mystery. Everyone a little confused. That's an organizational. That's not just on you. There's It's it's a mystery to all. So. Well, every coach has to deal with that tug and pull of what's best for each individual player versus what's best for the other members on the team. And in softball, it seems to be even more pronounced. And Dan is dealing with that right mm. now in a big way. <laughs> well, and a, a reminder game, why I, I hung out the it. cleats, by the way. Yes. And why I will once again after the season. Wow. And I think <laughs> he's, he's already retiring again. <laughs> I think the guys on our team understand what your job is. And the mm. girls on your team are more like, what's good for me? Whoa. <laughs> Erica, your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, That's I fire. just also. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's just crazy. And I hit my best game last week. You played well. I cracked it. But you every responded like a champion. Yeah. Your your fielding is not great, but you know what? Your effort is a hundred percent and the reason why you're out there is because you don't get better in the field without the reps. Right. Uh, but as a hitter, you really you're making strides, and I, that's why I want to keep you involved with the lineup. But there just has to be mm. an understanding and everyone pulling in the same direction if you really want to build a champion. Right. Well, me and Brassy split reps a few games ago. You didn't see me leaving, mm. crying. Mm. Mm. Team player. So there we are, Wes. Wow. Is this gonna go out on the, on the waves? <laughs> <laughs> I hope this. Uh, I hope she doesn't listen to the show. But maybe this will be the only way to communicate. Well, this is the wake-up call. Yeah, you don't, Smoke signal. You're, you're handling it through the media. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have to take things different. I, I tried to go one-on-one. Um, now I'm going to go through the media. And maybe the message gets through. Bar- I feel like I could get her number is for Barney's you. Is Barney's Beanery the best team in the league? Because that feels honest. like – that just sounds like a championship they're very good. matchup. They're an old rival of ours. We're Rick's like Old the, Town Tavern. Or we're like the Bears and the in the Packers. Or Cheers versus uh, – what is it? Rick's Old Town Tavern? Yes. <laughs> More imposing than Dollar Gary's Taco. Gary's Old Town Tavern. Dollar Taco could wail. Those guys could rake. Oh, really? But, well, I uh, guess you know. I guess maybe that. Why should I assume that if you're, if you are employed by Dollar Taco, you probably play some softball? I don't know how, what the makeup is of the workforce there. I'll stop talking. <laughs> We're still waiting for you to attend a game, by the way. What? I wait till it gets hot. I mean, I I'm saving up for playoff tickets. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Same. Very expensive. All right. Mark wrote a banger. His favorite games, in the history, of your life, or the NFL. No, my sort of my viewing history as a fan. So you made it clear. I'm kind to- of, I might, I kind of, I find it interesting that this made its way onto the website, but I don't argue that it did. I'm glad it. I enjoyed. Welcome to mid June. It's a bit nebulous. I enjoyed the article, and I enjoyed you pointing out many times, just like pre- trying to prevent the tweets at you of like these are my five games well but yes. i know they're not the yeah. best five games in nfl history you idiots but these are the games that i enjoy I, and then you like and then when you put the patriots browns in 2010 you went back to that well and was like once again idiots these are my games i, think I you, like them you're so right because you know how they're going to be headlined and sent out over social media, and it's suddenly like this guy thinks that a regular season Browns like, game by a five and eleven Cleveland squad is one of the best five games of his life. It's one of like, your what? games is what looks like about a week eleven matchup in nineteen eighty eight between the Browns and Steelers. That was a twenty seven seven final. I don't. I mean, you should be able to read the context clues that that is not an all time game in the history right. of the league. That was the first people don't do time that. I saw them in person, which is it was a personal hmm. importance. What was that day like? Well, that was that was my that was it was in Cleveland, and I had been a super obsessed Browns fan, but only watched them on television from the East Coast. And the reason I included that game was because, as a surprise, and this is good dad work by my dad, 
I did not know this was going to happen. They basically took Ed me. Ed Sessler. Bingo. Took me to the airport and flew me to Cleveland, and it was raining cats and dogs. And on the way, I realized this is where we're going, and we're going to a Brown-Steelers game, and they were in a tight fight to get back to the playoffs. Kozar was their quarterback. And so we stayed overnight in this hotel that overlooked the stadium, which to me was like the most incredible thing I'd ever seen out of any window ever. Walked to the stadium in the rain the next day, watched them drop a giant bomb on the, I believe, Mark Malone-led Steelers at that time. And that was the good old days. And it was like, I, I, I had never been to the dog pound or anything. So it made my list because, you know, with, as a family, you go on, we went skiing a few times, you go somewhere tropical and they were like, weren't those your favorite vacations? I was like, the best vacation ever was the two, the 48 hour swing mm. to Cleveland, Ohio. That's funny that you, it was 1988, you said? Yeah. My first Jet game was October 2nd, 1988. It was a game against the Chiefs and it was a fitting way to start my fandom as a Jets fan because it was a 17-17 final in a driving downpour in the Meadowlands. Freeman McNeil like fumbled the ball away when they were in chip shot territory to win it. So there was some heartbreak in there. There was some misery with the rain and you go home ultimately uh, kissing your sister essentially with a 17-17 tie. That is fit. It, you, those things stick with you, the first experiences. Absolutely. You know what I noticed in your piece, which was really well done, the football itself was just a small part of the experience in every one of these games. You had the raucous atmosphere on Wilshire Boulevard for your first one that made it cool for you. Hmm. Then your father-son dynamic, and also your first time seeing the Browns in person. Um, the third thing, you know, you had – I think people of our age, we think of Parcells as magical. Oh, yeah. We think of Parcells as this guy who is just one of the smartest coaches ever, but the difference between him and Belichick is – Parcells' humor comes out all the time. Totally agree. Uh, then you had the Elway redemption story plus you going to Camp Jewel. And then the last one, Mancini, Hillis, and Rob Ryan slam your boy Belichick, who used to coach your team. These are all about other things going on other than football. A lot of revenge elements, blowouts. I kind of love blowouts. So. Oh, I love I love that you have the uh, Rex Ryan Jets win over the Chargers in January 2010. Can we, can we listen to that Sean Green? running over the Chargers defense, including an Antonio Cromartie, a scared Cromartie running away from contact. <laughs> Forgot about that. Which was beautiful. You set it down. 47. Sean Green plowing ahead and taking off. Green to the 20. He's not going to be caught. Touchdown, New York Jets. Cromartie wanted nothing to do with that. Why did that make your list? That is a flash uh, forward to Cromartie doing the same thing against Tim Tebow a few years later when you and I watched <laughs> that game when he was a Jet. It made the list because, you know, sometimes when, you're, when your own team is not in the playoffs, you, you hook on to someone else. And I really love the vibe of Rex Ryan, who came in that year and basically said, you know what, Belichick, F you, F your rings, we're coming after you. And instead of it being another story that doesn't really hold up, they did surge down the stretch. And they were a team that won in a very unusual way. They ran the ball at two at one point in the regular season for two straight games of 300-plus yards. And then they got super hot down the stretch in the playoffs. And they ran the ball 39 times on the road against the Chargers. And it, was one of, it wasn't big, long runs. It was like they were just tiring San Diego out. And then when that when, when Sean Green busts through for that run, it was like all game long they were planning for that. And they Sanchez were, had 100 yards passing. It was like they came in and they said, this is what we're going to do. I'm Rex Ryan. And they did it. That was Loved ground it. and pound at its finest. But the, my favorite Green run, actually, uh, and one of the most memorable plays of the Rex Ryan era was fourth and one 
they're up three points with like two minutes to play. Phillip Rivers, they were 14-2, and two this, the Chargers that year, waiting to get back on the field. And the Jets have a chance to you know, go for the field goal or maybe pin with a punt. And Rex goes, no, I'm sending my running back and my offensive line out there to win the game, and they did. That was, that, that was Rex at peak swagger. What about the your Browns? Patriots romp in November 2010 because I don't think a lot of people even remember this game. But well, this one Tom is, Brady yeah. remembers it. Let's play that clip. McCoy will throw it to Hillis. He's a very good receiver. With some running room. Call McCoy. Extends. <laughs> Touchdown. <laughs> this game. <laughs> Was that that crowd was, going off. <laughs> that was one of the biggest manhandlings I've seen in the Belichick era. Absolutely. To the point where everyone talks about we're on to Cincinnati, but they went out the Patriots and won the next 10 straight games to close out that season because I think this was a throttling that woke them up. And it woke me up because the Browns, they came out of their bye week. The week before the bye, they had on the road knocked off the world champion Saints. And that was like, how did that happen? Because it was a very Mangini-esque team with not a lot of stars on offense. Guys like Chancey Stuckey and Josh Cribs getting snaps at quarterback, but then Peyton Hillis started getting hot. The guy that they basically shipped Brady Quinn to the Broncos for in return for a running back of no name. A fullback. Like, exactly. So a Madden cover boy. After this, though, yes. this is what helped that happen. And this game, to me, gave me one of those false flashes of intense hope where I thought the Browns were turning the corner in a major way and that Colt McCoy, despite being like 5'9 or 5'10 with a pop gun arm, had all the gifts that you wanted. I completely was convinced what my son, Luke, was born days before this and I thought all the turning points are happening. I named my next, my next son Colton after Colt McCoy because of this game. Big mistake, although I love that he's named Colton. <laughs> but this game was such a but whipping and I don't you you have to search through years and years to look for a Patriots team that was so caught off guard because there was a clip at one point of Tom Brady roaming around the sideline in the third quarter and I was sure that they had spiked something that he had eaten or drank that day because he looked drugged and they never became unhinged they never had the ball in that game because Hillis was just run, running back yep. and forth it's it is it like pretty much the worst. So many of the worst losses, one-sided losses in the Patriot in the Belichick era, are from former Patriots yep. assistants, including Vrabel and the Titans. You're right. Uh, one year ago. Yep. Uh, Matt Patricia got him last year, right? Yep. Yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> Not a close game either. Uh, so check that check that piece out. Mark Sessler wrote about some other games too. There, um, my favorite NFL games of all time: colon Browns triumphs among top five. I mean, I guess it's for SEO purposes, but do we really need NFL to be in that headline? Uh, I don't think we do, but someone else clearly believes that we absolutely do. Uh, We will be back um, Friday with another show. Um, So make sure you check that out. We'll do some spin around the league like we did last week, uh, checking in on camps, although, uh, you know, a a couple dozen teams almost uh, wrapping up their final OTAs and mandatory mini camps. So we'll check in uh, on that. Uh, and that will be uh, something to look forward to. I know you're excited, Greg. I am. It's, a, it's, it's the best time of year. Ricky, <laughs> you won't be at the game tonight. No. Um, so we will, we'll keep you uh, up to Family date. Family friend in town. I'm not, I'm not, you know, only if she benched. had not been at the game last week, none of these problems would be occurring for you right now. Wow. Well, right. that is true. Although it's certainly not on her, but the, you know, it probably would have been, it would have happened this week as opposed yeah. to last week. It probably was unavoidable. Delaying the inevitable. Uh, 
Uh, but uh, we'll let you know how the shield does. Can't wait. I want to find. You know, you should. Find, who's close to this person on the team and get some information? Wes, do you know? I can. I can get some information if you want. Just to be clear, the person is safe and sound. We don't even know that. Don't, right. Don't like know a lot anything. Of, a lot of people. You know, a lot of people had a lot of maybe. jokes about Barrett Robbins. Ultimately, it was kind of a tragic, Absolutely. sad story. It's almost an unsolved mysteries episode. A woman with a white dog shows up to a softball game. We turn around and there's just fog and she's gone and no one has seen or heard from her since. I mean, even more concerning, nobody pursues her to find out what has happened. The the some emails. Uh, it's been some emails. <laughs> the game started. They were committed. Uh, all right. Let's go. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss. And Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Go Shield. Till Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.